So I guess Philip Pullman is pretty opinionated, huh? <laughs> Did you find that out? Uh, yeah, a little bit. He seems to, um, you know, he, he knows what he's about and he's not afraid to share it. Yeah, go figure that a guy who gets has speaks his mind and isn't afraid to uh, basically uh, flip the bird at people ends up writing a children's trilogy that is basically like religion. I know, right? <laughs> we were, we were. I knew I could make this work. We were just talking about Colin Kaepernick off yes. the air. Um, maybe we could have done it on the air. It's not really like uh, our our remit here, but no. uh, we're talking about how like he had this. Um, workout that they were going to do with the NFL mm-hmm. and that these two parties were going to kind of f- come to the table. Because on one side, you've got the NFL wants talent and they also right. want to make it seem like they care about black people, seem. And right. then you've got Colin Kaepernick, a guy with a lot of principles, but also a guy who could be making a lot of money playing football very well. Yes. And the thing fell apart and they didn't end up being able to do this workout. Right. But he held it on his own, mm-hmm. which is sort of like a all right, are you showing the world that you're in shape? I guess that makes sense. It yep. seems like a little bit of a, maybe one knuckle of a middle finger. And <laughs> to the workout, he wore a shirt that said Kunta Kinte on it. So it's like, well, that's just two birds then right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, calling it now, Philip Pullman is the Colin Kaepernick of kids' fantasy authors. Ooh, those are uh, some steep words, but... Uh, like to see he, him uh, in the combine. Yeah, well, he, he it might the shoe might fit, you know? I'm not saying... The Nike yeah, shoe. Yeah, the Nike shoe. That endorses him. I, was, I wasn't going to say... It's not like Cinderella's glass slipper here, but... Um, That's probably more fantasy. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> but what's that? Hasn't there... It's probably been some Amanda Bynes movie about, like, it's a, it's a sneaker instead of a glass slipper, and she's, like, really good at basketball or something. That sounds like something that should already exist. <laughs> Some Julia Stiles movie. Right. But I don't know if it, it actually does. Oh, but well. um, I'm going to say that it departs from the Hans Christian Andersen uh, version. So there wouldn't be any cutting of the feet to fit into the Nike. I'm going to go ahead and say <laughs> yeah, that. Nike wouldn't want to sign off on that. No. Or is that? No, wait. That's the Brothers Grimm. Sorry. Not Hans Christian Andersen. But uh, No, yeah. yeah. The skates. That's fine. Right. You've done that one. Right. Exactly. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Shoe companies sponsoring fairy tale films. What killed it? Shrek. Shrek killed fairy tales for everybody for a well, while, right? Well, I yeah. mean, it created a bunch of also rands like Gnome, Gnomeo and Juliet or, or whatever. But right, exactly. Yeah, that's what you need. You need uh, Cinderella's got mad hops, right? <laughs> and uh, what's it called? Dunk, dunk Upon a Time. <laughs> I think you got it. It's just in one. Uh, so, yeah. Um, who's the prince then? Is he, um, like a... Oh, no, he's, uh, he's, he's a baller, right? But then one day, Cinderella shows up to the court to wash it or something like that. And then he's, you know, still, he's getting out of the showers. Everybody's gone. The lights are low. And he comes out of the locker room and he hears... Oh, because she's playing. And she's like... She's just jamming it, right? Jamarella. Ooh, there you go. Got a couple of good names or possibilities out there for right, you. Well, we can't. We're giving away the good stuff here. We got to <laughs> yeah. save this for the paying customers. <laughs> uh, we're the Just Enough Trope Podcast. I'm your host, Caliban, joined as always by my co host. Hi, I'm Mika Hanna. Who's a Jumperella? Jumperella? No, Jamarella's probably. I like Jamarella. Uh, Jumperella, though, could be really going to uh, a song really easily, like Jumperella around. Jumperella around. It's so, <laughs> it's so far past. I'll just ignore that. <laughs> And let it launch this. This will be my jumping off point. It's so far past 
doable, although Eddie Murphy's back now, so maybe I should be careful. Uh-oh. But should I tell the audience about my idea for the uh, Christmas Carol? Sure. A hip-hop Christmas Carol? Yeah. Do it. Don't call it that. You call it Christmas uh, something. Uh, We'll, we'll figure it out. Taking it back to the streets. Well, I don't this know. is the thing. This is the thing. I want a story credit, but we'll hand it off to like African American writers and a director after Sounds this. Sounds like a plan. I just want a story credit. Sure. Uh, Barry Gordy's A Christmas Carol. I'll be the Barry Gordy in this case. Uh, we'll get Barry Gordy. There you go. Yeah. Eddie Murphy is a record executive, right? Mm. He's the Scrooge character. This is like a like a Scrooged. You know, Bill Murray yes. is a TV executive. Right. This is a record executive, and so he works too hard. His kids want him home for Christmas. He's not going to be home for Christmas. That whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so he gets the visitation of the ghosts and everything. Like I said, I, I had this idea like 15 years ago. So some of these stars uh, are not famous or can't do this anymore. Sure. And the reason I'm willing to give this away to somebody else who will run with it is. I don't and will never know who's popular anymore. So I can tell you who the past one is because that's old, but future, I got nothing. Yeah. Uh, I was going to, so here's the pitch, right? So it's, he knows all these people. He meets all these people in, in the course of his day. He's yelling at them. He's their executive. Then at night, they play the ghosts. I like it. Who come and visit him, sure. right? So James Brown comes and visits him sure. and tells him he's got to get a new bag. Mm-hmm. Oh, right? Right. He's the Jacob Marley character. Sure. Then I couldn't figure out this. We can play with this one a little bit, but like it was going to be Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston has oh. left us, yes. unfortunately. Yeah. But like a Whitney Houston type, sure. uh, a singer, a classic, you know, vocalist mm-hmm. is the ghost of Christmas past, shows sure. him his past, growing up in the hood, you know. Having family, not having a lot, but being together and having dreams of music and rapping and, and you know, doing himself, um, playing instruments and just, you know, aspiring to music. And then sure. you get to present, right? Present is Lil John, right? He's got the he's cup. he's got the cup. Right? Okay. Merry Christmas. <laughs> right? He's very merry. Yes. And then future could be a lot of people. I was like odd future, maybe. Oh, sure. Like Tyler, the creator could be, you know, just, just be make it really weird. Sure. But more funny than scary. Yeah. And yeah, then the yeah. whole time, Andy Murphy's like, no, I got to I got to get back to my family. And no, please. Right. And then, you know, we have a big hip hop celebration at the end. And that's that's your movie. I think it sounds like a lot of fun. It makes itself. Yeah, I think so. It's already been done. <laughs> Yeah. But I don't, yeah, a million times. The Bill Murray one and also the million Christmas carols before. But I don't think there's ever been outside of maybe like a Hallmark or BET, like made for TV movie, a black Christmas carol. I don't think there has been either. So make it happen. That's my idea. Yeah. Too early. Too early? Haven't even digested the turkey yet. I guess not. So we're a little ahead of schedule on that one, but you have my permission to take it and run with it. Uh, Today uh, on the show, we are talking about his dark materials. Yes. Let's get right into it. Yeah, let's. Which is premiered uh, a couple weeks ago on HBO, but we took the time to watch the first two episodes Mm -hmm. of the show, which is going to be an all-over adaptation of the His Dark Materials trilogy of books by Philip Pullman, which Mm -hmm. we'll be talking about as well, uh, specifically the first book. Northern Lights Around the World and the yes. Golden Compass here in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, but take note, if you are going to read the books or watch the show, maybe do both at the same time, the show uh, is taking from all three of those books. Yes. It is establishing a story that spans the trilogy. Mm-hmm. So um, spoilers or at least uh, elements from later books will show up in these first couple episodes. And we'll talk about that when we get to that. Yeah. 
And connected to that, you know, as we do on our trope show, uh, I thought that we would examine the tropes and the really origin, or at least purpose, of quasi-religious children's fantasy series. Mm-hmm. There seems to be a lot of them. Yeah. Doesn't there? Yeah. And some of them have agendas. I have a theory that they all do. That's my thesis. And maybe we'll yeah. dig into that as we get into this. Yeah. Um, Did C.S. Lewis ruin it for everybody? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, how can you not have an agenda, though, when it's a kid's book and it, religion is involved? Well, I, here's I just, your agenda. There, there has to be a, a theme go that you're the going for. Go the F to sleep. Yeah, <laughs> You want them to go to sleep. Yeah. That's actually a book for adults. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, does all children's literature... Uh, have to be a didactic, and if that is true, is fantasy children's fantasy the concentrated stuff? Mm-hmm. You know, well, because you're you're taking elements that are fantastical, but you're you're trying to overlay it. Like, how does this correspond to real life? Right, but does it for some reason have to be? Where's the escapism? Like Star Wars is or used to be uh, ostensibly for kids, mm-hmm. and it's like good guys are good, bad guys are bad. Uh, it's, you know, it's tough to succeed, but you have to work to make it happen. Um, your uncle will get killed by a guy in a black mask. Right. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, and that's fine. And that's okay to escape and uh, that's fine. But like every fantasy thing, there's just a, a lesson baked in. You have yeah. to learn something. Right. Why didn't you clean your room? Now that's why there's monsters. Right, right, right. Or what, what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you set out to write something for kids, you have to have a lesson in there somewhere, you know, otherwise. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> a thesis asks a question. Yeah. Uh, a, a hypothesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're just solving. You're like, shut up. It do. You do. You have to. <laughs> okay. Do you believe that? You can hold, you can believe that now. Um, but by the end of this episode, yeah. you're going to know why you believe that. Okay. If you do. All right. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you <laughs> <Good>. doing? <laughs> I, I I seem driven. You seem out of sorts. No, I'm not out of sorts. <laughs> what? Good. That was pretty good. Oh, if okay. you're like, am I out of sorts? I, 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 I guess I'm out of sorts. <laughs> that would have been a little better. But that was a, All right. a hard six. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about a movie that I watched recently. Sure. Uh, if you have something that you watched, uh, we do this sometimes, share what we're consuming. Mm. Uh, we'll do that before we get into the news for today. Uh, I watched a film, a Swedish film okay. from 2018 called Aniara. Okay. It is a sci-fi film. It is based on a poem also called Aniara. Okay. A Swedish poem from 1956 by poet Harry Martinson. Okay. And it basically it is a story about um, the near future of Earth. Mm-hmm. It is about a spaceship that um, is nothing special about it. It it is a like a passenger ship that carries people. In this case, from Earth to Mars. Mm-hmm. And as the film opens, um, we are following several different characters, and this is like a passenger flight you know like or like a cruise ship like i said mm-hmm. uh, we get the idea that earth has been devastated by ecological disaster and who knows what else and many of these people are sick many of them are refugees but there's also people that are like i'm just catching the 310 to mars basically uh just a panoply of different people and races and stuff like that and one of the characters that we follow is um not given a name 
Mm. Uh, but she is um, known as a Mima robe. What that means is, is that she is, I don't know the Swedish translations or whatever, sure. but uh, one of the things that she does is there is, um, this movie's low budget, although it does a lot with the budget. Mm. And it's basically shot like in a series of malls and like okay. convention centers. So the ship inside is very conventional looking. And there are different things you can do. There are duty-free shops. There's salons. It's like a cruise ship sure. um, to kill time on this three-week journey to Mars. And one of the things you can do is they have this device called a Mima, okay. which is... Not well-defined. It's a sort of a AI-type thing. You get the idea that it's partially self-aware. And it's in this room. It's on the ceiling. And it's like this swirling colors. And when you go in and you lay down, you your mind is transported to this um, sort of virtual reality. And what people use it for, and not many people use it because there's a lot of things to do on the ship. But some people mm-hmm. like to come in and like lay down and just imagine the earth as it was. Mm-hmm. The green mm-hmm. earth, which doesn't exist anymore. Sure. Well, inciting incident is, as this ship is on its way to Mars, it has to veer off course to avoid an asteroid. Okay. And in doing so, it sustains damage and is unable to, its engines go out. Mm. Now, this is a hard sci-fi film. And because its engines have gone out, it is not accelerating, but it's basically traveling at the speed that it was going to get to Mars, but it can't slow down, stop, or turn around. Okay. That's not good. And so the ship is basically heading in a different direction. Um, the crew says, uh, you know, okay, this is a problem. Uh, you know, we'll have to get Earth or somebody to come out and give us some fuel or fix mm-hmm. us or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's probably going to be like a year or two. It's going to take a while. I know yeah. we plan to go to Mars, but we'll just keep going. And it's kind of how people deal with that experience sure and you've got a lot of different people yeah yeah and so we follow ostensibly this main character but also like a slice of life and everybody there and i won't ruin anything but as the movie starts to stretch on we start to realize like the mima robe lady goes to the captain and she's like it's been like a year and he's like um it might take longer than a year (laughs) okay and it's how a bunch of like normal people just living their lives have to deal with now being on this ship for a long long time sure yeah yeah. It's based, like I said, off this poem, which is like 29 different cantos or something like that. Oh, wow. And it was written in 1956. And it's a sci-fi poem. The guy is like a Nobel laureate-like poet, but he just wrote this poem inspired by apparently like astronomy, but also um, the Cold War and the uh, Hungarian Revolution that year. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, so it's very like bleak. It's very what you think of as like, you know, highest suicide rate in sure. <laughs> Scandinavia. Yeah. Uh, it's dark six months out of the year. And it's just this weird contemplation. And they took it, and it's been adapted. It's like one of Sweden's, like, this is our thing. Like, mm. you know, this is our Lord of the Rings or whatever. Sure. So it was made into like an opera and like a stage play. And so now this company made it into a film. And okay. I'll give it a thumbs up review. I'll say that it is very bleak. I'll say that like they made, I can't remember what the budget for the film was, but it couldn't have been much. You know, maybe ten million dollars or something like that, or mm-hmm. Krona, and uh, they um, they really stretch it very far. It it's very uh, emotionally affecting. Mm-hmm. Um, I just put this on as a lark because I heard somebody said it was good. Sure. Um, I got off a list of space horror movies. It's not a horror movie. Oh, okay. It's more like a Tarkovsky, like a sure tone poem type thing uh-huh. uh and yeah it was very uh, affecting and a bunch of people that 
you don't know and you'll never see in anything else. Mm-hmm. But we're all just perfectly cast to just do that thing that they sure. do. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the main uh, lady was really great. And yeah, it was, uh, I definitely recommend it. It's called uh, Aniara, A-N-I-A-R-A. Very nice. Um, well, I um, am in the middle of reading uh, Melissa F. Olson, friend of the show's um, latest And book. a recent guest on uh, Craft of Services. Yes. In a show that'll be out any day now, as soon as I can finish editing it. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, from part of her Boundary Magic series. Um, oh, her new book comes out in December. Yes. Uh, so this one that I'm reading right now is called Boundary Broken. It's the number, f- it's the fourth one in the series, and it came out earlier this year. And as you said, the next book in the series, which is Boundary Haunted, comes out December third um, of this year. So two books in this series came out this year, which is kind of interesting. But um, it continues the story of Lex, who is a boundary witch. So it's it's urban fantasy, I should say. Um, and a boundary witch is somebody who uses death magic. Um, so other witches don't, she's kind of like an outcast from like other witches because they are like weirded out by her because she can see ghosts and stuff like that. And so she's like weird even by witch standards. (laughs) Um, but she just kind of became a part of, um, the, the, this, this, uh, community rather recently because she in the last couple of years because she her her abilities as a witch were kind of latent uh and she has all these friends now who are um like her boss is a vampire she's like the head vampire of colorado um her boyfriend's a vampire she has some friends who are witches uh her twin sister was uh, killed by a werewolf, so she's not super keen on werewolves. <laughs> okay. But um, this book actually, in particular, deals with werewolves quite a bit. Um, there was a really horrible werewolf about 20 years prior who, like, turned all of these people into werewolves. You turn people into werewolves by biting them, basically, or attacking them. Huh. Uh, and uh, just attacked a whole bunch of witches and everything. He was really terrible. Um And uh, the head vampire, Maven, made this deal with the head of the witches in Colorado 20 years ago. Like, we will keep werewolves out of Colorado for for 20 years. We'll make this pact. Um, But Maven, she's been around, you know, she's she's old. She's been around a really long time. And she made this deal with uh, this pack of um, werewolves from... Uh, Wyoming, uh, neighboring state, that they could have a weekend pass and come into Colorado for the weekend and roam around as werewolves. Because they they get like, you know, uh, when the moon is full, they kind of have to be a werewolf for a while. Right. Otherwise, they're kind of in their human form. Get out of Colorado. Right. Exactly. Um, So things kind of actually go south at the beginning of this book to... To Wyoming? Uh... (laughs) Well, in Colorado, um, their couple werewolves end up dead, and uh, the plot thickens as the story continues. But it, they're trying to get to the bottom of this: who would want werewolves dead? And like, it seems to get connected Vampires. to a whole a whole bunch of different things. Well, that's one thing, but they also think witches because at least some people think witches because witches wanted werewolves out of Colorado. Wyoming's north of Colorado. <laughs> okay, New Mexico south. It's all good. Um, 
but the the story continues and Lex is trying to get to the bottom of it as well as trying to she feels really responsible because the head of the this pact of werewolves called in a favor for her like he helped her out one time and so like she owed him a favor and she uh, reciprocated that but she feels like a lot of this really bad stuff happened on her watch so she feels really responsible for it and sure. wants to get to the bottom of it even more um but it's you know it's very entertaining uh it's fast-paced um i'm a third of the way through already um so i i would recommend it if you would ever hmm, i wonder if i uh, really like melissa's work it's funny to me because if you said like hey it's a vampire book like, right <laughs> a lot of those yeah uh but yet she manages to bring both like a fresh perspective to it, mm-hmm. but also a real, I don't know. Some people really like the crazy, like, I was descended from Cain, the originator right. of the van. But hers is like, yeah, whatever, dude. Like, she's got like a real, especially like her main characters, her heroines have like a real, all right, whatever. I'm kind of cut through this in that Buffy right. kind of way, you know, yeah. where the vampire's doing one thing and it's like, look, I got my show's on so let's get it wrap this up like a real kind of practical kind of view of it that makes them um you know exciting and kind of different than uh than a lot of your fantasy type stuff yeah and another big part of lex's character is she is was a soldier over in iraq um so i mean she has a little ptsd from that as a lot of people would um so i mean that plays into the story as well and um you know even though you're these powerful characters, you still have vulnerabilities. Yeah. So. Well, that's good. That that also the owing somebody a favor and being stuck between factions. You know, these are all yes. like noir kind of tropes. Absolutely. Or, uh, or like gangster crime movie type tropes. Too, <laughs> sure. So. Yeah, sounds great. So yeah. that check that out. And Boundary Haunted is out uh, first week of December. Yes. And Melissa will be on Craft Services talking about Super Mario Brothers, the mm-hmm. movie, pretty soon. Uh, let's talk about the news. <laughs> Well, the big news is, of course, the launch of Disney Plus. Um, yes. We don't have any reviews of Disney Plus content uh, this week, but that'll be coming up soon. But we can talk about the uh, launch of the platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a little rocky. Yes. Like, I think surprisingly, because you would think that Disney would be prepared, you know? There's no way, yeah, but there's no way to know exactly what the effect of 10 million subscribers. Yeah. Uh, which is their um, count uh, as of a couple days ago, might even be higher now, mm-hmm. uh, would have on your service. You're never going to be fully ready. Yeah. And I saw some initial things. And of course, there are people, there will always be people who totally freaked out. Mm-hmm. But I have plenty of friends who are just watching away and just loving it. I'm seeing a lot of social media posts of people discovering things like, oh, this is on here. Right. Uh, and finding a lot of little tidbits, which is both. Good, because Disney has a real deep catalog, but also, you know, there's some big things that aren't on there. And so yes. <laughs> it's like the early days of Netflix where it's like, Mansquito was on here. I know. <laughs> One of the early things that I, I remember being available to view um, digitally on Netflix, because they, they used to send discs out, you know, I remember right. back then, yeah. um, was The Office. I remember it being on there like really early on, and that's actually how I watched a lot of the series. Yeah, and well, it was on TV. Yeah, that's true. Um, it hadn't ascended to uh, 
thanks to the millennials, I guess, mm. to like the sort of cultural pantheon that it is now. It was always right. popular, but Absolutely. now it's just now you can launch, say, an office podcast. Sure. Get yeah. off my lawn, ladies. <laughs> but anyway, the news about the thing is, of course, like I said, uh, 10 million subscribers on its first day. It was yeah. expecting around eight by the end of the year. So even for Disney, that was seems like that was a little... A bonus. Yeah, a little timid. Mm-hmm. I think they 10 million is, is not... That's easy, right? I think so. They'll have yeah. 20 by December. But right. They were being uh, a little cautious, uh, but exceeded that mm-hmm. uh what else is going on uh there was a flap over the fact that um some of their programming specifically the simpsons yes uh whose early seasons of course were in the initial 4-3 tv format mm-hmm. uh, were being blown up for the 69 and having yes. uh, some of the frame cut out um they've already responded to this Which and is will good. be uh turning that back around uh by the beginning of next year okay they plan to have them available in the original uncropped format. So nothing to complain about there. Well, yeah, because I think as we were talking about, you get a lot of sight gags that are cut out. Yeah, I mean, name name one. I don't know. Off the top I can of my name head, one. The but... fact that uh, they go to the Duff factory and uh, they show that Duff Light, Duff Dry, and Duff Classic all come from the same tube. Sure. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's still you know you want you want quality. You're you're paying for it, right? Exactly. Uh, I should also mention that uh, Disney stock has hit a record high. Okay. Uh, after the report of uh, 10 million plus subscribers, uh, it is just shy, or at least was just shy, of 150 dollars a share, uh, and then closed uh, midweek about 148 dollars a share. Mm-hmm. So that's a record high for Disney. Uh, Netflix stock dropped by three percent. Okay. Uh, same news to uh, $283 a share. So still, wow, that's uh, I didn't know their share was so high. I didn't either. So that answers the question where all our money comes from. <laughs> but yeah, uh, everything is looking pretty good. Uh, reviews of a lot of the shows have been high. Yes. Um, <laughs> I was just going to say, I saw a thing that said... Uh, Oh, also, uh, uh, they will have uh, more Marvel movies than they said they were going to. Oh, okay. Uh, they managed to get some of them um, just before launch. Uh, Werner Herzog uh, had high praise for The Mandalorian, which, of course, he uh, appears at least one episode of. Oh, okay. Sure. He said, it's cinema back at its best. Okay. <laughs> and I can't remember. I'm not going to look it up now uh, for the receipts, but did Werner Herzog weigh in on the whole Marvel movies? Not Scorsese that I know thing. of, but that doesn't mean that he didn't, you know? <laughs> yeah, I wonder what he had to say about that, but he has high praise for the show that he is in, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was interesting, uh, <laughs> and uh, he calls it cinema. Yeah. It is cinema. The, there you and go. And I agree. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of the old guard would disagree. Would disagree. Yes. Absolutely. See The Irishman <laughs> on Netflix. <laughs> right. Little uh, news out of the, uh, actually from the same camp, uh, ABC announced that they will stop using uh, their live plus same day ratings uh, for the Nielsen's. So this is uh, oh, okay. the sort of thing where you do live and same day streaming numbers is your ratings, basically. Yeah. There's been an updated as streaming has uh, advented, there's been an updated like a live plus seven or live plus whatever mm. uh, to measure people who are sitting down and watching it. Uh, either on a broadcast TV or on a uh, same time launch, like when we watch CBS uh, all access all access shows, uh-huh. uh, and using that plus a number of days out 
people who are going to it later to catch it, usually before the next one airs, to mm-hmm. get what the rating of that show is. Because mm-hmm. if they don't know what the numbers are, they don't know if that show's succeeding or not. Right. Except there are many ways to know. So why Social they... media, okay. word of mouth. There's a lot of stuff. But the thing is, is that remember, TV exists because of watch commercials, right? Yeah. There would be no TV if they couldn't put ads under it. Sure. And you can't sell ads if you don't know how much to charge people. And you know how much to charge people depending on how many eyeballs you can confirm saw it. But as we saw with shows like Community where they go, well, look at the numbers. Nobody's watching this. And then it went off the air and people were like, what? And then it went on to something like Yahoo, who was able to measure how many people watch it mm-hmm. through downloads. And like millions of people were watching it. Right. Except Yahoo didn't know how to turn a profit off of that. So same difference. Yeah. So why are they stopping from – why are they deciding not to do this anymore? Because it's outdated. Because oh, they're they're okay. getting rid of the old method of just saying how many people saw it the exact time it was on. Oh, I see. They are basically, yeah, they are adapting to taking into account the plus seven or the plus how many, you Mm. know, people watching it after the fact. Okay. All right. Now, that still doesn't help them with live advertising because how many people are going to see this Kotex Wisp commercial? Right. It's an old joke. I'm not going to explain. Right at this time that it was on. Right. But, you know, it's a whole new world out there. As far as advertising goes, do you sell a slot that's for a specific company mm-hmm. or is it random? When you watch Hulu, what ads are you seeing? I know I'm seeing the same Wisp ads over and over again. Right. But trust me, these little these little grubby-fingered ad people, they'll figure it out. Right, right. If they don't, they're not going to get the money. So they'll right. figure it out. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, I guess that makes sense. I, I, I was confused at first, but um, you, the way you explained it, it makes sense to me that they're getting away from that because uh, you have to change because of the way that streaming is going because um, people are consuming it in different ways now. So yeah. you have to move with the times. Yeah. Uh, over on the uh, Warner Brothers DC side, uh, Jamie Lawson has been cast as the role of Bella in The Batman. Who's Jamie Lawson? We don't know. She's a Juilliard graduate. Right. Uh, never been this. in a movie before. But yeah. we know that her character is named Bella, which that's a placeholder name, right? Sounds and Robert like Pattinson it. starring in your movie. I know. So this is your romantic I interest. saw that But it'll turn out to be somebody, I don't know, it'll be somebody that we, we know or somebody from the books, right? Yeah, I read an article. She's described as a grassroots political candidate running for office. Yeah, I saw that. I, I read an article that was guessing maybe she'd be Batgirl um, as a possibility, but I I don't know. You don't think so? Well, if she's going to... Don't pair Batgirl with Batman. Well, sure. Right? Because they're in the Bat family. Maybe uh. she... Look, there's a billion, billion people she could be. Yeah, I know. Um, Catwoman's Is this taping. where I do the thing where... Well, yeah. This is the, where I do the thing where the U.S. go, she happens to be black... I don't think we say that anymore, do we? I don't. I don't know. She's uh, African American. Yeah. Uh, as is Zoe Kravitz. Yes. So, are all of his love interests going to be African American? That's real. I don't that's know. That's real progressive. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I, yeah, I guess we'll we'll figure it out as it gets closer. Like who she's going to actually <laughs> be? Just you. This is you holding the story under the water until the bubbles stop. All right. <laughs> I guess we'll move on because you're uncomfortable. Uh, Black Adam has released a poster and it set its release date 
It will come out December 22nd, 2021. Okay. It's a ways out. But... Yeah. <laughs> it's far enough out that uh, until they uh, wrap filming on this, I don't believe that it's uh, it's really going to happen. But uh, the poster is pretty much what you expect. It's just, you know, a guy that looks like The Rock, a.k.a. Black Adam in silhouette. Right. Going, I'm Black Adam. Okay. He happens to be black. All right. Gotcha. Right. Uh, okay. Um, so we can't even see that it's The Rock, you're saying. It's just like kind of looks like The Rock. But I mean, like it was it was never not, if you just get, draw pointy ears on The Rock, it's the Black rock. Adam. Yeah, I They know. both have that like, or they used to, used to have that like solid swoosh of hair. Yes. You know, that Namor hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's just he's the most electrifying man. Black Adam has lightning bolts. Okay. Yeah. You get it. I do get it. <laughs> do you? <laughs> I do. What else is happening? It looks like uh, <laughs> Dr. Sleep is oh, yeah. knocked out. Yeah. On on the mat. Yeah. KO'd. Yeah. Dream Street. Uh, did not go over well. No. Unfortunately. We were, you were saying to me the other day, this is a really bad year for movies. And uh, I, I don't disagree. It is. I mean, not not money wise. Movies are making more money than ever. But well, when you yeah, look at like, but... you know, you look at like, um, like a movie like Parasite, which is a foreign movie, um, is not like a two hundred million dollar movie. No. And I think people are already calling for like, oh, this should, should this should be a best picture. This shouldn't be like a just a best foreign picture. Well, it won the and Palm d'Or, right? Yeah, and it's there's I don't want to sign off on that, but. I think it did. Okay. Well, I, anyway. I swear it said at the beginning. Of uh, and it's because there's nothing to compete with it. Yeah. Um, I, I think you're absolutely right about that. I, I mean, am right. Some of, some of the biggest releases that did well were Captain Marvel and uh, the uh, Avengers Endgame. You know, um, I, I'm trying to think of like non-Disney blockbuster films that came out this year. Um Hobbs and Shaw. Oh yeah, did the new Jurassic? I'm talking about dramas. I'm talking okay. about like your Kramers versus Kramers. Okay, your sure. Kramers versus Kramers. yeah, that's in plurals. Uh, you know what was Meryl Streep in? Oh, she was on Netflix. Right. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's the problem. No wonder Scorsese's so angry. <laughs> we don't have any reviews of Apple Plus, uh, TV Plus content either, and I don't right. know if we're going to. You don't want to see see. <laughs> you don't want to see. Yeah. That's the review. Yeah. You don't want to see. Don't bother to see. <laughs> because they're all getting, they're almost all getting bad reviews. They're all of questionable, possibly problematic. Like the, yeah. the Steve Carell one where he's like Matt Lauer, but, but yeah. not like he's accused of being a sex yeah. guy. And then the women like take advantage of it. And it just, anyway. I don't know. Maybe we'll have some a review of some Apple TV stuff in the future. That Ron Moore show looks okay. But uh, yeah. apparently it's not doing good. And the executive uh, who's in charge of content uh, is leaving the service. Uh-oh. Due to those mediocre reviews. That's bad news. Yes. Um, that's real bad news because it's still early days for that, I think. so. Um. Yeah. A guy named Kim Rosenfeld. Uh, he was <laughs> uh, at Sony TV for a long time. Oh boy! So Apple, uh, when you go shopping, <laughs> if you if you go shopping at the bargain store, yeah, you're gonna get bargains, right? So anyway, okay. that's uh, bad news there. But 
maybe Apple TV should uh, keep its eyes open to see because <laughs> looks like Rob Thomas wants to get the Party Down gang back together. Oh, geez. Rob Thomas, do something new. That's yeah. what I say. Why go back to the well? Why continue going back to the well? Because he wants to be in charge of both the birth and the death of the things he created. Well, he's doing there's a already, job there's so There's already far. a gravestone with the words Veronica Mars on it. I know. So why not go for Party Down? Because it's... Oh, my God. I just... Why? <laughs> and, and, you know, Party Down, I really enjoyed it. But a lot of those people went on to do other things. And I don't know if you would necessarily be able to get them back. Yeah, you would. Wouldn't you, you think so? Yeah. We just watched... What did we watch? We watched a... Um, uh, living with yourself or whatever on yes. Netflix because we were bored because there's no good movies. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Gemini Man, I forgot. And <laughs> uh, and it was not great. No. But it had uh, Paul Rudd in it. Yeah. It had I can't remember the guy's name. Jonathan, the guy that plays Cong- Cong- Congressman Jam or whatever on uh, Parks and Rec, who's in a lot of stuff. I didn't recognize him. Yeah, and uh, it had uh, what's her name from. Uh, Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. It like had a lot of talent in it, and mm-hmm. like they're not, the script's not funny, and they're not doing anything funny. But yet, why would they do that? Because Netflix has a bunch of money, and it just threw it at them when they could have gone. Like she, she was on Transparent for a while. She's she clearly does stuff that she wants to do. Yeah, and then it's like, well, do you want to do like a dumb Paul Red series for a bunch of money? It's like, uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Apparently, yeah. Um, so. Yeah, if it was on Netflix or something, they'd throw money at it and they'd be able to get everybody back. Really, Ken Marino's going to say yes. no? Uh, probably not. <laughs> I guess the one I'm thinking of that might is Jane Lynch, but that, like, what has she really done lately? So I don't know. Maybe be able to get her back. Exactly. So it shows you what I know. Go. <laughs> no. All right. It shows you what I know. Uh, real quick, we'll talk about the Uncharted movie, which has gone on so long. Yes. And been in development for yes. such a long time that the guy who was being looked at to play Drake is now being looked at to play Sully. Mark Wahlberg is in talks to play Sully to Tom Holland's Drake. Okay. Making this Uncharted Babies. Yeah, right? right? Um... If your Drake is too young... Then I guess then your Sully is too, too young. young. Yeah. The problem is, is that when you, if this is going to be like the prequel, not prequel, like the first chapter of Uncharted 3 where he's a kid or whatever, yeah. Tom Holland's always going to look like that. He's never going to grow up into Nathan be Fillion. Be like bulked out. Yeah. yeah. And Mark Wahlberg is already 50 and he's just going to look like that forever, right? Right. So you're not, nobody, Sony, Sony, I nobody know. else thinks this is a bad idea? I, I know. Um. I don't know. I guess it could be okay, but it's going to be a little different from your video game series. That's for sure. From my video games that I love so much <laughs> and stopped playing the fourth one after like the second chapter because I was like, I know. this is literally just holding down X and pushing the stick up. And he goes, whoop, whoop, ooh, oh, I almost fell down. Oh, whoop, whoop. Yeah. And then like a bajillion cutscenes. Like those <laughs> movies have always been like, I mean, those movies, I, I did that. On purpose. No, I didn't. Um, but like those video games have almost always been like movies. Like seriously, there, there's not a whole lot you actually do in them that is, is an actual video game. I feel like they got worse. Yeah. Uncharted 2 is 
is a pretty good game and it's a pretty good story. Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe my patience for them is just, you know what I really liked? Hmm. I liked the Uncharted Vita game. Really? Yeah. It, because of the, it was a developed on the, on the console for the console. And mm. so it was designed to show what it could do. And so it used the touch screen and also the back touch screen a lot to like manipulate things. And you'd like, Oh, Sally, I found this dig and you'd like brush the dirt off of it, you know, with the Very touch nice. screen and stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, just that's me being involved in the storytelling right. and not just watching a movie that I push X during every once in a while. Right, exactly. That's a Hideo Kojima game. <laughs> Review of Death Stranding coming soon, maybe. <laughs> what else? Uh, speaking of Netflix, uh, Netflix has licensed the rights for Beverly Hills Cop from Paramount. Oh, boy. To make a Beverly Hills Cop 4 with Eddie Murphy. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Why would Paramount give Beverly Hills Cop 4 away? I don't know. From their perspective, from Netflix's perspective, you guys. Why would you do number four? That's a big gamble. I mean, people miss, you know, my name is Dolomite. Like, people miss Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he left Hollywood for a reason. Yeah. Right. Pluto Nash. Yeah, I know. Beverly so, Hills Cop 3. Right. So, huh. It's It seems like a weird combination there, if you ask me. Um, Netflix will literally, they'll do anything. I, I, they have proven that. Or, yeah. Yeah. I... It's not a good look, I got to say. You know, be a little choosier, Netflix. Well, they're definitely forward, um, fashion forward or whatever you want to say. Depeche mode here. They want to get – if he's got a renaissance coming and people really like the Dolomite movie, Mm -hmm. um, then they want to be the first in. Okay, yeah. And they've got the money. Yeah, they've got the money. Or at least they've got the credit. And so they want to, you know, go for it. Mm -hmm. I bet they've got some – so people used to think that like Uwe Boll was laundering – Nazi gold or whatever, and that's how like they, he made his movie. The truth is, yeah. is that he was just laundering probably regular German businessmen's gold, some of which <laughs> may have been you know Nazi sourced gold. from the Nazis. Yeah, Netflix must have some producer's scheme here where they can borrow whatever and spend it, and then success or fail, they'll still be on top. Yeah, mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Because like, there's just no there, there. There must be no downside. Yeah, there must be no consequences. Yeah, although man, they. We keep hearing how much debt they're in. I know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, some last drips and drabs of the news here. And then I thought we'd talk about a couple trailers. Or oh. maybe one trailer that came out recently. Okay. Uh, it looks like Charlie's Angels did not do very well at the box office yeah, here. Yeah, uh, that's Coming in at probably around uh, maybe a little over $10 million. That is not a lot of money as of far as movies are concerned. Say that it's, uh, I don't know the Rotten Tomatoes, but uh, it's been pretty well reviewed. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are singling out uh, Kirsten Stewart specifically as uh, being pretty good in it. Yeah. Uh, and to hear that it's not good, combining this with uh, the poor performance of Terminator Dark Fate, mm. is this the end for a ladies doing it for themselves? I don't think it is. Shut up. Stop. See, it was the end. Yeah, no. Um, I don't think it is. I I just kind of wonder if anybody was really asking for this, but they decided they were going to do it. No, nobody was. Yeah, I know. No, this is is Paramount, right? Yeah. Yeah, Paramount's in so much trouble, man. I know. Les Moonves, you you crazy sexual maniac. I know. You were right. Yeah, well... Does this put more pressure or less pressure on Star Trek? 
We're going to get a Star Trek four, no problem. Yeah. Or a Star Trek Prime. We'll just reboot it again. Right. There's right. no way that they can de- Terminator down, Charles Angels down, mm-hmm. giving away Beverly Hills Cop. I know. This is, we can't not have a Star Trek, no matter how badly it does. This is Quentin Tarantino, uh, $25 million, do what you're going to do. It's Tarantino. People will come out no matter what. The yeah. ninth film, the tenth film or whatever by Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. And it'll make $500 million back in business and grand. Right. That's my um, Yeah, no, I think that that is totally plausible. Um, I... I think it's unfortunate that Charlie's Angels did not do well. Um, I don't. I don't think it's because it's a woman-led film. I think it's just people aren't really excited about Charlie's Angels for whatever reason, or anybody who's in it. Yeah, honestly, this probably doesn't uh, bode well for her sci-fi film that's coming out. Oh, next year. I didn't know she had a sci-fi film. Yeah, it uh, looks like I don't think it's going to be any good, but it looks like an abyss or, or not the abyss. Um, like a Leviathan type thing. Okay. They're in a deep sea habitat, you know, and something something's attacking them. And okay, I sure. You saw the trailer, didn't you? I don't think Don't I worry did. about it. Okay. It looks like that. Uh, what else? <laughs> I clicked on a story. Here it is. Uh, the Witcher season two is being greenlit. It's yes, happening. I heard that. Check without, it out. Without season one premiering yet. It's going to be great. Yeah. And again, Netflix, uh, always in the news, uh, Netflix has inked a deal with Nickelodeon yes, to create I heard about original that. animated features and shows. Yeah. Uh, is, they're trying to... They're running scared from Disney. Yeah. They're, they're trying to keep on top of it. Although they could Disney. never be scared. Yeah. But they're, they're nervous. So they're like, let's make a, a deal with Nickelodeon, which honestly... I think is a good idea on on Netflix's part um, because honestly, I, I've heard a lot of people s- saying that they have chosen to go with Disney Plus because there is a lot of content available for kids, and I think that Netflix getting a piece of that pie is going to make them, um, uh, you know, um, more of a a uh, runner in this race. You know, like it's going to make them more competitive. I guess. Uh, do you know that? Uh, uh, what's her name? We just talked about her. Little uh, girl. Kirsten Stewart. Kirsten or? Stewart is yeah. uh, going to be in a movie about Gene Seberg. She's going to play Gene Seberg. No, I don't. I don't think I know who Gene Seberg is. <laughs> oh boy! All right, let's talk about trailers. Okay. I guess we won't be talking about the Seberg trailer. Sonic the Hedgehog. What'd you think? Um, the new design is in. I think the new design looks way better and way less on Candy Valley. And the branding is specifically, it's like, it says new official trailer. Yeah. Not just like, you know, the official trailer. Right, right, right. Not the teaser. This right. is like the new official trailer. Yeah. They want to make it incredibly He's wearing clear. shoes yeah. and gloves, everybody. Don't yeah, worry. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, his face is not nearly as weird. Do you think... And I feel like we talked about this on the show, but maybe we didn't. Maybe it was off the air. Do you think that they made him look weird on purpose to create buzz around the film? I don't. Occam is sharpening up his razor. I mean, what, what would be the point of that? Yeah, I know. Um, I can't remember if I said this on the show, but it's true that, you know, when you see a teaser like that first one was. Yeah. Uh, it is basically whenever you see effects in like a teaser or even like an early trailer, that's all that's done. Mm-hmm. So if the, all they had done was a meow, like bad looking Sonic, and yeah. he's drumming on some missiles or something like that, if that's pretty much all they had finished, ready to go, 
you could drop that. Now you've mm-hmm. got wireframes, you've got basic animations for everything else. Then couldn't yeah. you just, it would take time. And I haven't seen the paychecks or pay stubs, which would be the proof that they needed to hire extra workers or, you know, right. unfortunately crunch the ones they had. But I think it's all true, right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. You come out with some designs. You probably got like a couple different like skins saved and you go, well, we're going to go with this one. Uh-huh. This one tested a certain way. Right. But the biggest test of all is, do people like that teaser trailer? And the right. answer was no. Exactly. And so they went this with this instead. I love the fact this is a, also a Paramount film. Uh, yeah. Get they're, ready. They're, uh... We're going to be presiding over the funeral of Paramount Pictures I next year. I would not be surprised. Yeah. Um, and I think this was mentioned, like, I know there were, like, articles about it, but, like, James Marsden has been in this position before yeah, where yeah. he's, like, playing opposite, like, an animated character. And it's like, why? Why James Marsden? There's why don't you, why don't you learn your lesson here? This is just a better film. It just gives you a better idea of the story. I, I think, think so that too. the um, the beats are clearer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure the dumb jokes, like the really lame jokes that were in the first one, yeah. might still be in the film, but we're just get this is the sizzle. We're getting the sizzle here. Yeah, I agree. He's running around the Green Hill Zone and we're just we're seeing what looks like a Sonic that we can recognize. Yes. I would agree. Good stuff. Yeah. The Invisible Man. I thought we talked about this one last week. Let's not talk about The Invisible Man. Okay. <laughs> when did the Sonic one come? This didn't come out more than a week ago, did it? No, but we I don't think we talked about it last week. I'm really week. good at this. Um, anyway, Sonic comes out on Valentine's Day. Yeah, which as is a weird does choice. The Invisible Man. Yeah. Because of love. Because of love. Psychotic, crazy, invisible man love. That's my favorite Van Morrison song. <laughs> Welcome to Virtual Theater. I'm Andy Spateri. And I'm Gooey Fame. The day Bison graced your village was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday. If you're a gamer, a movie buff, or both, you're going to want to check out our podcast on video game movies and the stories that shape them. Luigi, it's a mushroom. Come on. Trust the fungus. We let you decide which movies we cover via Twitter poll. So be sure to follow us on Twitter at Virtual Theater X. Right, you can hear him talking. They can't understand me, kid. And give us two thumbs up by subscribing on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The fate of billions will depend upon you. <laughs> We are a part of the Just Enough Trope Network. All right, before we get into our discussion about these children's fantasy books, do you want to say some short words, short words about the Rick and Morty premiere? Um... Yeah. We would scarcely be a nerd podcast if we didn't talk about Rick, the and, Rick Morty. and Morty. Yeah, well, that's very true. Um I I liked it. Um I thought it was entertaining. Um I think you did mention though that like um it kind of like silenced the female character like kind of um towards the end of the no, episode. what I what I say, if you're going to quote me, yeah. right. What I okay. said was is that I've never so okay, all right. Glenn and Les Charles, right? They created ch- Cheers, isn't that correct? Ah, uh, sure. Do you feel like if you do you feel like if they made something else, and I'm sure they made other shows, I can't remember what they made. Mm-hmm. Would it feel like Cheers? 
Do they make Dear John? That always felt like Cheers to me. I have no idea. I don't know what Dear John is. This is why we need a, a dedicated producer here to, to, to do like, all this look stuff, stuff for up us. while yeah, we're a super on air. producer. But anyway, yeah. um, it, Dan Harmon can't really do that much day to day, though. Does he? Does he really do? Things day to day on the show. I don't know that he does. Does he have he, final pr- uh, approval on all the scripts? And because what the reason I'm talking about this is mm-hmm. because um, no, they they did not. They did uh, Mary Tyler Moore show Taxi. I can't believe they didn't do. Okay. <laughs> and Pushing Tin. Do you know they did Pushing Tin? No. Do you know Pushing Tin is? Isn't that like the golf um, movie? The no. Golf movie? Okay. Golf? What's a golf movie? Oh, no, that's Tin Cup. Tin Cup. Okay. That's what hey, I'm thinking close. of. Okay. Close. All right. No, no I Dear don't John know. was based on the original British uh, Dear John TV show, which oh. was uh, by John Sullivan. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. Um, Just a wealth of information. <laughs> That's why you listen. Uh, and no, so uh, it just, he's, Dan Herman, I listen to his podcast. I watch yeah. Community. Yeah. I don't think of myself as like a huge stan, but I feel like this guy is in my life. And I, yeah. For good or bad. Mm-hmm. And I know that he is very uh, self-conscious and a lot of his output is self-reflexive. True. Now, if he wasn't such a controversial figure, if he stopped with the tweets and everything, maybe he wouldn't have a career. That's because nobody's possible. mad at him. Yeah. He's got nothing to make a uh, character who is really uh, complaining about how people are mad at him about X or Y about. Yeah, true. And I just feel like right away we get a bunch of stuff that is just, you know, reflexive to what has happened in the last year or two since the show's been on. Yeah. So I hear he's got, you know, uh, People, he's, uh, you know, he's running around. Are we going to talk about the story? I, I Rick and Morty go off it. on a thing. They find these crystals that... The death crystals. ...show you how you're going to die. Yeah. Which I'm going to criticize in a second. Mm-hmm. And Morty's uh, response is is that one of the deaths that he sees is that him being dying in Jessica's arms. You know, Jessica's yes. the character that he likes. And so he starts making all these ridiculous, dangerous decisions because they all... Result you know, in Will that. resolve in him getting to that end. Yes. And in the meantime, Rick is having to deal with... Rick dies accidentally, but he has got a plan for that. And he's got to get back home through this trial of all these, like, re- resurrections. Yes. And they're all... It's, it's a fun... It's a good gag, but it, to me, it seems like he resurrects as a shrimp and then as a monkey man or something and yeah. as a wasp or whatever. Yeah. And they're all in these, like, universes that where Nazism is yes. the prevailing <laughs> culture. Yeah. It's supposed to be a commentary. But it's also, I think, him not liking people yelling at him online and just the general uh, appreciation of online discourse becoming so sharp negative and, and negative. Yeah. yeah. And then also, yeah, you've got, like, you know, a female character who... Summer. Had, yeah, I thought season three was great for Summer. Like it she was. really grew as a character. Yeah. And we were even getting Beth in there and then immediately yes. self consciously silencing like that character. Yeah. And doing it in a way yeah. that you can go, Well, that's the joke. But it's like, yeah, but if we don't see Summer do anything again for the rest of the year, like then Then why that make quacks that like joke? a duck. Yeah, exactly. Um Yeah, and I mean Rick like unhappy with being in a reality where Nazism is prevailing will like kill himself. And so he goes to a, a he's reborn in a different reality 
And most of those are, it's like Nazism too, except for the wasp one, which is the one we end with. But Yeah. And, and the only like real laugh out of that is, is the third one basically. Yeah. Is it? Who's counting? But is the is the one where he's already been through it once, and then he's like, Haha, "As long as you guys don't like Nazis," and then the guy's like, mm. and then, "Exactly." Then he's running down the street. You yeah, know, there's swastikas everywhere. Yeah, that's like the one good laugh you get out of that entire part. Well, that's yeah, you're not wrong. So I don't know. I mean, it's just it's there's gonna be so many more seasons of this. I know, and so many more opportunities to make jokes. I want to be that person that I hate, which is. Is this the beginning of the end for Rick and Marty? Oh, my God. I mean, when the main character can die <clears throat> six times in an episode, mm-hmm. should we ever worry about them? Like, what are the stakes? Well... And that's been a problem since, almost since day one. Almost from the beginning. But I just really felt, like I've I lost, felt it this time around. Yeah, I mean, I've I've completely lost track on what version of Rick or Marty we're on right now. It doesn't now. really matter. Yeah, and I know. not to mention, like, the Crystal's really cuts to the heart of that because it's all done for this gag, which if you haven't seen the episode, I'm not going to spoil, but this, this gag of where Marty wants, or Morty, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, copyright <laughs> uh, wants to end up when he dies, but these crystals are, how do they work their bullshit? Yeah. Because I know. it's Rick. What is, what is death? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. How yeah. come Rick doesn't see himself impaled on a rock when he's touching the crystal True. during the gunfight. Yeah, that's a good point. Because that's where he's going to end up. Yeah. But is that even death? Why doesn't he see himself being beaten to death by Nazi shrimp? Yeah. Why doesn't he see, you know, how do they work? Yeah, I And the see answer is, is, it doesn't really matter how they work. And I get that. And it's also a device for them to provide all those other facet deaths, mm-hmm. which I watched a YouTube video that broke all those down. And it was very fascinating. But to, for me, that is the strokiest thing you can do. That's them sure. trying to recreate, was it last season's first episode when they did the split realities? Mm-hmm. You I don't remember, remember that, when, do you? when that was, With though. the cats? Sure. I can't remember if that was the second or the third one, but they've got this, oh no, the third one last year was him blowing up the entire thing. So it was the second season. Okay. But I feel like they've got this reputation for like, we got to blow everybody away in the first episode. Right. Because we got to set so this stage. time we're going to, yeah. So think of all the writing you'd have to do and all the extra animation you'd have to do and all the things you'd have to do to, to make just a tiny little two second sight gag in the corner of the thing where you see the bully is uh, pouring lava down his throat or, or whatever's going on. Yeah. And then there's a couple things that look like they might be suggestions of where they're going to end up. Like the crystal, if you went this way, you'd still end up on the planet of marshmallows, but the marshmallows would kill you. Right. They're going to go to a planet of marshmallows in episode three. Sure. Where they won't die, but maybe right. they would have if they... I mean, that's that. I love that, but that for me is the real nitty-gritty uh, Szechuan sauce <laughs> shit side of Rick and Morty and yeah. not like the heart and like what are we trying to say here. Right. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, so use that crystal, yeah. stick it on your head and let's steer back towards like this show being about something. That's what I say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I think it was uh, And cast enter- Jer Burns in something. <laughs> that guy's great. I, I think it was entertaining but I think it could have been a stronger first episode. Thank you for summing up my point. Okay. <laughs> Let's get into the darkest of the materials, really the dankest of the materials. Yes. Has somebody done that? I don't know. There's our have. show art. Yeah, right. Uh. It's just Lyra, big fatty. You know, it's oh like, this is the dankest. 
Wow. The dankest of materials. <laughs> it's a three novel trilogy. Yes. That's how trilogies work. You got it. And it is by Philip Pullman. Yes. A guy who, as we began uh, speaking about at the beginning of the uh, show. Yeah. Uh, he'll let you know. Oh, yeah. He'll let you know about stuff. Oh, he, he will definitely not go quietly. I bet he's, I bet you would, trapped in an elevator would just be interminable with him, right? <laughs> Like, I'm glad, like, I think he's a good writer. Yeah. Uh, I read these books a while ago. Uh, I'm glad that he wrote them, but, oh, boy, you wouldn't want to be that guy's neighbor. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> um, I have only read the first one so far, um, which, uh, I mean, do we want to talk about the books first, or do we want to get into the, the Well, TV since we're show? talking about the show, I think that we should talk about the show. Okay. So... Um, Having watched the first two episodes of the show, yes, which kind of sets you into the world here and gets the conflict going, yeah. Uh, tell us about HBO's His Dark Materials. So um, we meet Lyra, who is an orphan at Jordan College, and uh, her uncle, who is a powerful explorer named Lord Azriel, has come to visit. Um, she kind of sneaks into a room that she shouldn't really be in, and he gets her to spy on some people uh, as he does this presentation. And his presentation is about this thing called dust, which she doesn't really know what it is. She's This is the first she's ever heard of it. Um, she's kind of a mischievous, curious kid, uh, and she she pals around a lot with like her friend Roger, who uh, is another kid at uh, Jordan College is where they are in Oxford. England, and it's a world similar to ours, but not, uh, it doesn't graft exactly onto ours. They have every uh, human has. Every human, wow. Every human, yes. All of them. Has um, a creature that kind of is representative of their souls, and it's written like Damon, but it's pronounced demon. Um, and when they're a young kid, they the demons continue to change shape so that they're 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 in an animal form they're always an animal form but they can change their shape from one animal to another and then when they become more mature as kind of like mid-teen their demon chooses a single shape and that's what they'll be the rest of their lives uh and that is a major part of um uh the series and uh Early on, and there, there's so there's this group called uh, the Egyptians, and they are a boat faring people. Um, and there is a little boy, uh, Billy Costa, who is missing, and it is rumored that he is taken by these people that are called the Gobblers. And Gobblers take little kids. They don't know why. Um, but the Egyptians swear they're going to find the gobblers and save the kids. And that is a huge part of the story. Um, and then Lyra also meets somebody who she finds very fa to be very fascinating, a woman named Mrs. Coulter. And uh, she ends up going to live with her in London. And they take an airship. Yes. Because this is an alternate steampunk universe. It is. <laughs> and they have 30s-style cars for Nothing tells me that steampunk is kind of over more than the fact that there's airships in this, but they're not like, oh, they're all brass. Right. Oh, you know, if, if anything, they're kind of... Uh, 
kind of sleek. And even the 2007 movie, which maybe we'll talk about in a little bit, mm-hmm. um, seemed to kind of, I don't know, some elements where you think it'd be real like, oh, gears and gauze and goops and right. doops. And get, get, put these goggles on. Yeah. Everybody's right. got to have goggles. Zack Snyder. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, and this is, like we said, I mean, it's probably the first maybe half or almost to the halfway point of the book in this first first book in these two episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there are a few elements that um, are seeming to set up things that would come in the next two books. Yeah. And uh, this is, um, a, you know, a long-awaited uh, sort of thing. Like, like we said before, there was a Real abortive uh, adaptation in 2007 by New Line Cinema, Mm -hmm. who was, you know, here's the deal. Movies, movie companies always say that they did, they never make any money from anything. Because if they make money, then they have to profit share. Mm Because that's how you make a movie in the first place. And uh, we know that that's not true because, what's his name? Who's what's He's his name? from New Zealand. He's Peter Jackson. Uh, yeah. Uh, he sued them for all the money that they owed him for those uh, right. for those movies and eventually won and they paid him. Uh, but whatever they did with that money, it went somewhere because they made his uh, The Golden Compass, the first film in a yes. planned trilogy, to yes. be the new Lord of the Rings. They, they were and making we watch, it out to be that. Yep, yeah. If you watch the trailer for the 2007 movie, yes. it starts with like a ring flipping in the air. Yep. And you're like, uh-huh. And then it turns into a compass. Or, the golden yeah. compass. Yeah. The Lord of the Rings movies of the second half of the aughts. Yeah, right. Wrong. Yeah. No. Right. Uh, it failed. Uh, and basically Terribly. is known as one of the things, if not the major things, that destroyed New Line as a brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, they technically exist still, not around as a studio anymore, yeah. because of the failure of Golden Compass. Yeah. No, thank you, the world said. Yes. To a movie starring Nicole Kidman, mm-hmm. starring James Bond. Yeah, Daniel Craig. Uh, yeah. Ian McKellen is the voice of the polar bear. Okay, sure. Sam Elliott is the thing. Yes. Uh, Christopher Lee's in it. Uh-huh. Uh, Jim Jack Jong, uh, the guy from Downton Abbey, is, right. is in it. Uh, this movie is packed solid with, with, stars. with stars. Yeah. A bl- bright, shining constellation of stars. Yeah. Directed by some guy nobody's ever heard of and starring some girl nobody's ever really heard of. But otherwise, yeah. could have been huge. It, polar it bears punching been. each other. Absolutely. Failed. Yeah, I know. Um it's always kind of interesting to me too when a movie fails when it's intended to be the start of something. It's intended yeah. to be like a three movie The game's afoot. Yeah. No it's I, not. No, no, no it's, it's not. not. We'll um, never see you again. No, exactly. Um, <laughs> and we're looking for more adventures coming soon. And no, a lot of, we aren't. And a lot of people uh, will do our best. This is a show that hasn't finished yet, so you no. we can't spoil what's coming up, but we'll do our best to not spoil right. the books, really, either for you if you haven't uh, read them or even seen The Golden Compass. But I will say that, you know, as somebody who's completed the first book, um, yeah. Let's say you know you you haven't seen the uh, 2007 movie. No, although I, have I do not. recommend that you watch it. I don't think okay. it, it's terrible, but it's not great. Mm. Uh, there is something very affecting and important that happens in like the last ten pages of the first book. Oh, yes, that doesn't happen I, at the absolutely. end of the movie. Absolutely. Oh, okay. That's how much they that punch that polar bear punch was pulled. They cut almost all the religious implications and elements, and that thing that happens. 
Yes. Doesn't even happen. They're just like sailing away in the airship and they're like, I hope we solve this mystery. Why would anybody want a second movie out of that? Yeah, that's really it should, strange to it me. It should end that way and you go, oh, I got to see the next movie. Like right. what's going to happen? Right. Like this is really dark. How do we come back from this? Yeah. Nope. It just... I, that, we did it. That's weird. That is really bizarre. To I know me. a movie where uh, Ava Green is a is a flying witch. I know. <laughs> and yet, yet, nothing. I know. Um, I mean, when I read that in the book, it was something like twenty five year old Ava Green is a flying witch. I know, right? No, we don't want that. No, apparently not. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. Um. So, yeah, real bad news, real mismanaged as a property. How do you think BBC HBO is doing? I think they're doing a decent job so far, although I will say as a warning to other people, there is something that happens, I guess, in the second book that is in the second episode. Oh, yeah, well, we mentioned that. Yeah, um, so I was kind of like, what? But um, Freddie Highmore is the voice of Pantalaemon. Yeah. Do, sorry, I'm still on the 2007. Page. It's okay. I was really disappointed. I walked into that thing going like, "This oh, is it. This is it." There's rings and there's men well, and compasses. They, they thought it, this was it too, and they were going off of the back of not just Lord of the Rings. They but, were all of them deceived. Well, yeah, like. I, I read an article that was talking about other books that came out around the same time as uh, this series, and you know some some of them being Harry Potter, and another being uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, you know, which were hugely popular and were adapted way more successfully. Well, no, not really. I, you I think don't that, think so? No, I think that Game of Thrones was clearly not successful. Oh. This is the thing about Game of Thrones. Everybody so woke up from a dream in season eight and was like, yeah, oh my I God. Guess. And I'm like, I you could find social media posts f- from me from like 2010, 11. I'm like, I don't understand. Like I watch it because everybody watches it. But what are they talking about? It's like the well, best I show. It's not, it's not the best it. show on TV. It's not even <laughs> well, top 10. Oh, okay. I but guess. anyway, uh, we don't want to go back. We want to go forward. Yeah. Uh, I'll talk since you don't seem to want to. Uh, I didn't say I didn't want to. Uh, I like it so far. I, I really do. Um, I think that it's interesting because it, to me it seems much more than the sum of its parts. There isn't anything about it that I think stands out as being, oh, this is going to be really great. Um, the guy who is basically writing and overseeing it. Um, Jack Thorne mm-hmm. is never done. He's done a lot of stuff and nothing ever that I really thought was real great. Mm-hmm. Um, he is working on, um, or he did a draft of the Rise of Skywalker, but who knows where they're at on that point. That's right. uh, actually a news thing that I didn't bring up. Um, a lot of people are working on, there's some really weird names uh, of people who are working on Rise of Skywalker. Oh, okay. You can only have four Writing credits on a on a movie, right? No matter how so. who works on it, right? In this case, it is, of course, um, we'll say it's based on characters created by George Lucas. Yeah, but Colin Trevorrow and Derek Connolly's names are still on it. Really? Yes. That's so bizarre to me. The implication was that once JJ came on, and mm. he basically said in interviews that they are starting from scratch. Yeah. Um, also, you probably just have to because. Well, right. Your main character died. Right. Uh, But, uh, I mean, the actress. Yes. uh, But, yeah. So, we don't know if this is just 
they're using elements mm. or what? But mm. okay, but there's still a big portion just bad of it news there. all around though. Yeah, right? yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, but uh, Jack Thorne uh, is involved in this thing, and he did the Cursed Child play. Oh, okay. He sure. wrote that Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. remember uh, Wonder? Um, I that Luke Wilson movie that too many Christians liked for me to think that that was any good. Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> far uh, I like it. Um, yes, I think it's it's. I've heard it say that oh, it's solid, but it needs a little more magic. And I don't disagree, but mm. I think they're leaving it somewhere to go. I, I think so, too. Um, you know, they, they, I think they've done a really good job of uh, establishing this world and it being a little different from our own. Yeah. Um, I think the cast is not as good as the 2007. Oh, okay. Look at all the heavy hitters in that thing. I know. I and know. I'm never going to take uh, uh, t- uh, James McAvoy over a... Daniel, Daniel Craig. Craig. Come on. <laughs> this is about Daniel Craig. Yes. That character, uh, Lord Azrael, yes. has to come off the page. You have to feel the threat of this character. What what no, I like about true. these books is that everything see I mean, this isn't this is like the first chapter. Mm. The kindly master who has basically raised yes. Lyra yeah. um, because her parents died in an airship accident, uh, immediately tries to poison Lord Azrael. Yes, and she So nice it. guy tries yeah. to kill Lord Azrael. Yes. She saves Lord Azrael and then he kind of goes off, but then you hear all these things about him and he's like this mysterious figure like is he a good guy or a bad guy? We don't really know. No, the nice guy that raised her tries to murder him. I know. So everybody is ambiguous in this in this story well, and I, I think, think that that true. is um played out well in this. Mm. Um but otherwise like would I take a Ruth Wilson over uh, a Nicole Kidman? I don't think so. Well, I'm not saying that they're the Bobo version of like the 2007 cast, but I think they're all pretty well cast and are doing it. It's like James McAvoy's too. I, I, I think I relate to him too much. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I think I know what you but mean. But he does play like, I really liked him in that uh, 80s music movie. <laughs> sure. Right. What was that? The cold, Coldest Winter? No, sure. no. Atomic Blonde. Yes, uh, yes. So anyway, um, he's probably good for Azrael. Um, but Daphne Keene's a real star here. I, I agree, and I think Where'd she's... Where'd this girl come from? I know, she's very talented, yes. and um, I, you really... I think you really get into the character pretty easily, and she's the protagonist, so it's a good thing well, that you're able yeah. to relate to her. Yeah, she's not some seed-stealing kid from the other thing. Right. Uh, I don't know the kid's name, and I don't care. Uh, but the kid who plays Roger... Mm. Looks almost exactly like the kid who plays Roger, Roger in, in 2007. I noticed that. <laughs> there must be an endless supply of bucktooth like urchins uh, that they can just draw on. Uh, but he's actually really good too. Yeah. It's great uh, kid casting in this. It is, which um, is important. Yeah. Because they're, they play a huge role in it. And I, I don't know. When I read these reviews that talk about a lack of magic, I think that what you're seeing is a TV budget. And mm. you're also seeing them... Lean on the verisimilitude of the world in a way that makes it sells the the reality of this character's reality, mm. but forgets that the audience would be surprised by this. Mm-hmm. So you can have like, oh, it's an airship, and oh, that guy's got a panther or whatever. Right. But for them, it's no big deal. 
Right. But for us, we there should be a couple moments where we see like, oh boy, this is like really weird, crazy that everybody. But right away, everybody's got animals, and we're just yep. supposed to like accept that, and it's yes. fine, and they can transform sometimes. And, yes. And yeah, I think that the show does a good job of like. Because the Golden Compass of the movie, I don't know, this wasn't supposed to be like Golden Compass of the movie versus the TV show. But no, but it's, it's just so much on display to. and it's flashy and gold and those dresses that uh, Nicole, that Nicole Kidman, Kidman wear. wears and yeah. it's all on display. And this is supposed to be more grungy, more 50s, you know, England, mm. uh, coal and uh, the crown, you know, type thing. Right. Not in the palace, you know, on the streets. Right. Um, yeah, I... We haven't seen Lee Scoresby yet in this, Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> but I actually read an article where he talks about Sam Elliott portraying the same character in the movie. Yeah, what does he say? He, he said he nailed it. And he was like, he knew that him coming in and playing this character, it was going to be different. He wasn't sure how he was going to He's, approach uh, it. He's making a habit out but, of this, huh? Yeah. Um, I'll just be Burt Jr. I can't. What else can I do? You guys, I know, anybody right? want to make a sequel to Casablanca and I'll just be uh, <laughs> Rick, Rick 2? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think it, there's something to be said to acknowledge those who came before you and say, oh, they nailed it. And then like, well, what am I going to do yeah. for this part? And it's, I yeah. And also I think people just need to stick with it. Um, there isn't, this has been renewed for a second season, but mm. there isn't like a set order. And I think it would have been smart for them to just go, look, we're the BBC. Maybe that's your, I still don't know how their TV works. I don't either. Set aside, earmark this amount of government funds or whatever. And then HBO is like, all right, here's a boatload of money because we're HBO. And just right. say, look, we're going to do three years of eight episodes apiece. Mm-hmm. Do the whole thing. Because mm-hmm. we don't know if this is going to make it to the end. This could be another 2007 situation. No, you're right. I mean, we at least but we got a season two. I think that the show is leaving you somewhere to go. Because if you've read the books, you know that this this is based on, in Pullman's words, you know, this is basically a humanist version of Paradise Lost. Mm-hmm. And if you think about some of the places that Paradise Lost goes, you want to start with a girl tying her shoes in a dirty room. Right. Because we're going to end up, that's where the money's going to be. Right, 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 right. Um, And I think, you know, that we start with uh, Lyra, who's, who's, you know, super adventurous and courageous. Um, And a bit of a fibber. She is. She is. Um, But she, um, you you know she's somebody that you you want to follow and you genuinely care about. Yeah, I think, um, and you want to see her grow, and she does as the story progresses. So, um, I think she's a very interesting uh, protagonist, uh, and uh, you know somebody that you want to follow. Yeah, uh, and definitely uh, this actress who I hope she doesn't do that thing. I call it portmaning, oh. where she grows up and then it's like. Okay, I'll just be in a movie. It's like, you were such a good actor. <laughs> I know. As a right? child. Now you're just, what happened? Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I hope she doesn't do that either. Oh, she's playing Jackie? Jackie Kennedy? Perfect. Right. <laughs> this is the White House. It's like, perfect. Wow. <laughs> unkind. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So let's dig into it here. We've talked a little bit about the series. I know that you're not like fully familiar with it, but I think you're starting to get the idea at this point, right? Yeah, I think so. And so you got this guy, Philip Pullman, and he <laughs> he's obsessed with religion, I think. 
Yeah. I and think I that's a fair statement. I won't get into his full uh, background, but he is an accomplished guy and went to Oxford himself. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lot of the first book is based in and around Oxford and his, yes. some of his experiences there. And he's had an interesting life. Uh, he's somebody who I think, even when I was reading Paradise Lost uh, at a Christian college, as an evangelical university, mm. uh, we were already looking at um, the sort of humanist interpretation of uh, Paradise Lost, mm. which is to say that you can't follow Satan for like 10 out of 12 books in this thing and not see him as the hero and the main character. Right. And the idea of, you know, you know, American society, even Western society, loves people that go out there, loves rebels, love people that throw it on the line, anti-heroes, you know, and like Satan looked at from a certain perspective is that. Now, Paradise Lost paints his rebellion, you know, in the Christian tradition as a great tragedy and God as the ultimate authority. Mm. And Philip Pullman decided to look at it from a different perspective, which is what if you praised that rebellion the way that we do in Western society? And what if God, instead of a loving, you know, power was just an empty figurehead, basically. And mm-hmm. that's pale polar bears and you got a you got a story. Right. And so that's sort of like how he approaches this thing. It is a uh it's an allegory, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's supposed to be didactic in that way. He also uh wrote a fictionalized account of the uh life of Christ, uh called The Good Man Jesus and the Scoundrel Christ, uh, where Jesus is literally two people. They're okay. like brothers, sure. Uh, Jesus and Christ, and like depending on who you're getting that day is like the different sort of versions or expressions that we see of Christ uh, in the Bible. Okay, interesting. Yeah, um, Christopher Hitchens loved it. So that oh, tells you everything right. you need to know about who uh, is backing this guy up. <laughs> So yeah, so he wrote this uh, series in the mid-90s. Uh, he's actually uh, written a new trilogy, uh, the second book of which came out last month, mm. uh, which is, the first book was a prequel, but yes. the second book actually goes past the events of the trilogy oh, and sort okay. of picks up. So it moves around a lot. He's also done a lot of interesting um, side material for the series. Mm. He wrote like a side quill uh, after the third book came out. He's done, like, one-shot audio dramas and, um, like, games and, like, art books. Sure. Like, without actually moving the story forward, he's, like, continued to, you know, make money, but also paint in the, the edges of, of the sort of world. I kind of feel like this is a world that you could do kind of like a D&D type campaign in, um, you know, and just kind of explore yeah. <laughs> all the elements that are there. Uh, let's see. You've got uh, Magister, Egyptian, right. uh, Scholar, and uh, Urchin. And those are your character classes or something? Right, right. <laughs> Maybe you need to do a little bit more. Uh, polar bear, more. of course. Yeah, uh, balloon, right. balloon guy. Uh, and a witch. Yeah, okay. Uh, you might be able to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. A couple more source books. Yeah, okay. It's like in the very first uh, West End uh, source book for Star Wars, there was no extra material, which is hilarious because there was, you know, nine whole hours of material. Right. But the only character classes were like recognizable things. So you could either be like a failed Jedi like Obi-Wan. You could be a brash pilot like... Han Solo. uh, No, because there's Scoundrel. That's how it's sold. So okay. Brash Pilot would be like Luke, Luke. Or, Luke or Wedge. Okay. Uh, you know, minus the force powers of Luke. Uh, and then there was like Ewok. What? 
it. <laughs> you can be a droid or you can be an Ewok. Wow. Yeah, that's kind of like... I mean, I love Ewoks, but I think I'm kind of in the minority. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, because lots of people start are rolling like, up your character. Why? Why are these teddy bears like fighting and stuff like that? You know. But so this and our premise is kind of shot just based on what we're doing here, because Philip Pullman like literally created these things to make a point. Yeah. Now I'm not saying that every artist or writer in any generation doesn't sit down and do something for a point. That's what we're going to talk about. But after a long, 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 long ash tradition of what we're going to talk about, he said, I want to do this. And I want everybody to know that we're going to do that. I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. I know I'm going to get people going to try to ban these things. They're going to interview me. I'm going to wear a shirt that says Punches Pilot on it instead of Kinte. Right. And I'm going to be very confrontational (laughs) in a nice British way. Yes. About what I'm trying to say. Yeah. What I want to know is. What was going on with like C.S. Lewis is like, I'm going to make seven books, an entire mythology that is just clearly just Christ based. It's mm-hmm. all Christian. The lion is the is Jesus. He dies and comes back to life. We get it. Right. And just ram this down people's throats and people are going to be like, yeah, cool. Right. Exactly. Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. What? <laughs> I mean, that's the first thing I can think of. That and like the Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is Tolkien has said is his attempt to not like to start a religion or anything, but like to create a mythology for Britain and the British people. Right. Like life on the British Isles is just a su- succession of people showing up and going, hey, it's ours now. Hey, it's ours now. Hey, it's ours now. <laughs> In French, oh, it's ours now. Like it's just, you know, there is no real who are the British people other than just like Picks and Scots, I guess. Uh-huh. And so he wanted to give the entire sort of island and all the peoples like uh, like a mythology, a tradition. Right. Not to like literally like worship it or something, but just right. to like, you know, hey, what do you think about this? Right. We got this elves, a... we got trolls, we got all the, all the stuff. This is a cultural touchstone. And Pullman thing. specifically criticized the both of them, Lewis for all of his proselytizing, uh-huh. uh, and also his like misogyny which i guess i never thought about huh yeah i mean i guess like the i mean there are female characters in in, in the chronicles of narnia what but maybe right but maybe they don't get to do as much as the boy characters I'm, I'm, it's been so long since i read i know in like the last battle like the i can't remember the, the but like the original girls are don't care about narnia anymore because they like makeup and boys in, instead wow <laughs> so. I don't well, know. That's kind of. It's not that close of a read. Uh, the main bad guy in the first one is literally like a woman in power who is trying to. Uh, I guess she just wants to control everything, but uh, yeah, we got to get her out of there and get the uh, right the patriarchal lion back in charge of the forest and everything. Right. So I don't yeah. know. And then he criticizes Tolkien because he's like he said specifically Tolkien is not interested in the interactions between human beings, only like maps and songs and poems and things like that. <laughs> And it's well, that's harsh, but it's hard to argue. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of songs and there are a lot of maps. So, um, but I kind of feel like a lot of people, at least the maps thing, has you know when they write their own fantasy or sci-fi stuff, there's a lot of maps involved. I feel like, and maybe Tolkien kind of set the tone for that. I don't know. Well, <laughs> Tolkien and Lewis set the tone. For a lot of things, uh-huh. um, which we'll get into. When we think about 
children's fantasy, like what are we talking about? Um, like what other series is yeah. are there? Um, like uh, Peter Jackson. Um, I know Peter, Percy Peter, Jackson, Peter, Peter Jackson, not not Peter Jackson, Percy Jackson. Um, uh, probably the the Earthsea novels. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, oh, you hit me with that Ursula Le Guin. Yeah. Um, I know there's other stuff. Um, well, it, it, so first of all, the Percy Jackson thing is specifically, you know, it was written by the guy was just basically create. It was a M Night Shyamalan situation. Oh. Okay, why well, do you say that? Because when we were talking about this before, talking about um, like why we would talk about this, yes, um, it was that we feel like everybody has an agenda, not a negative or harmful one necessarily, but mm. they're trying to, they sat down and went, why would I do this? Yes. And it's because I've studied this, or mm-hmm. I think we're missing this, or I want to teach kids this. Yes. And I was just throwing out as a joke, like the only person who never did that was M. Night Shyamalan with The Lady in the Water. It was just a story right. that he told his kids at night. If he had any goal, it was to make a lot of money. Right. <laughs> and all he ended up doing was ruining Paul Giamatti's career. Yeah. Oh, and also um, <laughs> kill the film critic Bob Balaban. Yeah. So very, um, very basic self-serving uh, motivations there. Mm-hmm. But Percy Jackson was a very similar thing. I can't remember the name of the author, but his kid um, uh, suffers from dyslexia or did. I don't know. He's an adult now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he would tell him these mythology stories at night, but he sort of ran out of stories. And the kid's like, well, give me some more stories. And so he just right. started making up stories about characters like that mm-hmm. and it was like well, i should write this stuff down right percy jackson right i think rick riordan or something like that sure. is the name of the author sure. um Earthsea's yeah. weird because it it's definitely all over and it's definitely in sort of a high fantasy style but i've heard that it's you know she's Ursula Le Guin kind of does what she wants mm-hmm. uh she's drawing off of like the poems of Rilke and like the illustrations of Dante Alighieri sure. or in the, the illustrations in his work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, like, I don't, you got me on that one. All right. Fair. That's a mystery. <laughs> but everything else is just very, a, a very similar. Like if you look at like the Chronicles of Prydain, that is just Lloyd Alexander doing a Tolkien to wealth, wealth mythology instead of uh, sure. just English mythology. Sure. Um, Madeline Engel was a big C.S. Lewis fanboy. Yeah, so yeah. she's just doing C.S. very C.S. Lewisy stuff in um, the Re- time quintet. Time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, acknowledging science. You know, yeah, trying to kind of merge the science and the spiritual. Yeah. Um, in her uh, in her work. Yeah, no, that's very true. Um, the does... Wizard of Oz, yes, is about monetary policy. I know <laughs> of the early twentieth century. Yeah. Which is kind the of gold weird standard to think about it. Yeah, I know. OZ, that's the oh, ounces, the measurement of gold. Yes. Emerald City, it's green, it's money. Right. There's a yellow brick road. It's you, you know, it's it's There's probably silver gold. slippers. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. And then ruby slippers. Yeah. Um uh how does Harry Potter fit into all of this? Does it? Um No. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right no all right 
No, Harry Potter, look, don't get me wrong. I think it's great that people love Harry Potter. And mm. it's definitely increased the literacy of True. many people mm-hmm. and made them see that books are a valuable pastime. Yeah. But I feel like Gerald Tolkien's been, or not Gerald Tolkien, uh, what's her name? Rowling. J.K. Rowling. She's yeah. been very honest about the motivations, which was, I was poor, I was unhappy in my marriage. Right. <laughs> and I just wanted out. Yep. And I said, I could just write a cool story about a kid who's kind of in a similar situation, mm-hmm. probably take a lot of things from other books and nobody's going to recognize it. <laughs> and here we are. Yeah. And I, uh, I don't say it's a guilty conscience necessarily, but she has paid a lot of money to charity, <laughs> possibly to assuage that guilt. <laughs> but she has definitely paid it back uh, many times over in her charitable giving. And so... Get away with it, lady. <laughs> but I don't think that there's anything there other than just the call to adventure. Mm. You know, the story about sure. a chosen one, good triumphing over evil, and that sort of thing. Sure. No, that's how I see it. Yeah, um, I hear you. I think it's interesting that something like The Hunger Games was inspired, um, probably similar circumstances, uh, but also from Theseus and the Minotaur. Mm. Suzanne Collins was thinking about you know, we we think about the thread and the the, the maze and everything, but we yes. forget that, you know, th- it was Thebes, right? Thebes would, uh, I think it was Thebes, would uh, sacrifice a dozen kids every year, you know, to the Minotaur. Sure. That was like the tithe that they paid. Right. And so she was thinking about that. And I think like Iraq war footage or something. And then wow. she flipped over to american gladiators you know or big brother or something and she was like oh yeah right let's combine all of these ideas together so it's just about how government you know exploits people but also we kind of need it because it's her mission to kill president snow but then she realizes that maybe he's not the bad guy that she thinks right yeah right Uh, i'm trying to it kind of he's no sauron right but, but then why do you get to, Donald Sutherland to, to play him so evilly? I know, right? But like, it's trying to take this evil character and make him more human, or you know, he's flawed, but he's not, you know, the anti-anti um, villain that that we, you know, originally thought that he was. And does it to, I don't know, some level of success? I don't think that she's like the most talented. Uh, author, but she's uh, pretty far above Stephanie Meyer, though. <laughs> oh, sad. Well, I don't know if that's true. Well, I did enjoy the Hunger Game books more than I, I only read the first book of the Twilight, Twilight series. Twilight's just Mormonism, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just Mormonism. I think if so. there was one more book, Edward would have gotten a second wife. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't probably. that what's going on there? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so I, I do think that the, there's more to the, the Hunger Games than Twilight, but you know. I think it's interesting that um, if you look at something like, remember the Aragon? Yes. Uh, everybody, the big deal was, uh, oh, it's written by a 13-year-old. That guy's like 30 now, right? I know, right? <laughs> so he's not a 13-year-old anymore. No. He's just an author. Right. Probably hasn't written anything in a while. Uh, but that was literally just him making a self-conscious fantasy. I mean, it's a yeah. 13-year-old. Right. So think about you Coming being 13 and sitting down and writing fanfic, and it probably wasn't good. His was just better. Mm-hmm. And he was literally writing based on his love of Tolkien and, and all right. that sort of stuff. Right. But then it was also inspired. He lived in Montana. And you have to imagine any any kid that young and that enterprising 
it's weird, right? <laughs> I Families, guess. I was going to go unique, but... Homeschooled. Yeah, maybe. Fam- maybe his uh, parents were... Because um, most parents are like, oh, whatever. Yeah, right. I brought you back from soccer practice. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, they don't... Whenever kids... Young kids achieve something, I'm always like, what's going on with the parents? <laughs> But he uh, he based a lot of the world on the vistas uh, and uh, landscape of Montana and sure. just his experiences tromp- tromping around himself. Mm-hmm. You know? So yeah, I mean, guess they always say write what you know, right? Yeah, so. but that that's if that's true, then why is C.S. Lewis writing about? Lions and Witch of Wardrobes. Did, yeah, it was his wife's name. Uh, what was the name of the White Witch? Oh gosh, I don't remember her name. This is terrible. That doesn't really matter. Um, yeah, but she was. Uh, I'll tell you, yeah. PJ Farmer. I bet he wasn't very happy <laughs> because his there's always like a wife character in his stories that's like naggy. Yeah, yeah, gets eaten or something. <laughs> Great. Oh. Um, I'm excited to read the other books in the series. Oh, and, we're done? Uh, well, I don't know. I'm just saying, uh, you know, I want to see what else uh, gets talked about and the commentary that's that's there. I would, I'm interested to see your response because you, um, you're not a religious person and you don't really know anything about religion. I know basics. So to get into this trilogy that's really really gunning for religion mm-hmm. uh in some places overtly so right i would be interested to see not only your reaction to it but just your appropriation of it what about like the the phantom toll booth oh like pre-doctor who right that guy had to be like boy, i'm mad about kennedy being shot but i'm really mad about this <laughs> show about a kid that flies around in a box and learns about science right i think that's all it was right okay it's just about like how science is cool because he just learns it's been a long time since i saw it too and i only i didn't read it i only saw the um like the cartoon version that came out in like the 60s when Mm -hmm. like the hippies got a hold of it sure so it was all like groovy dude oh (laughs) he's got a dog or something but that's mainly about a kid who doesn't want to do his homework and like learns that science is cool or, or something, right? Right, like the power of learning. Or yeah, or just perception yeah. or something, yeah. Yeah, um, like it's like science fantasy. I'm not sure what you'd call that. There's a lot of things that like, I, I guess you'd call Roald Dahl fantasy for the most part. I would agree with there's that. There's witches, right? Yeah. But then also uh, there's uh, peaches. <laughs> <laughs> You know I mean? Yes, there's a giant peach. I feel like Roald Dahl was like the first uh, R.L. Stein or J.K. Rowling, maybe, mm. because he was writing specifically to children. Yes. And he was not just trying to rewrite uh, fables or fairy tale stories. Right. And, and his stuff had like this specific character, like it was gross. It was very violent sometimes. Mm. Um, yeah, it sort of reveled in like grotesqueries, and and, and uh, that's a word. And it also, the, there was a real element of like class struggle in it too. <laughs> there was always like yes. poor people and rich people, and like yeah. that's all just baked into that twentieth uh, century uh, or even nineteenth uh, century uh, British literature. But mm-hmm. I found that to be a, a really interesting, uh, indelible sort of element of his uh, of his work. 
Yeah. It's, and it shows up in J.K. Rowling. Yeah. Same way. Right. Um, I mean, you look at Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, for example. There, it's definitely present there. And, and you know, the kids are like, we don't know if they ever get changed back. No, it's it, never, you, you never know. Yeah. And they're not, uh, you could map something onto them like Romana Clef style, but none of them have to be anything. Mm-hmm. Like Mike TV is like, or if there are, the stakes are really low. Right. So like Mike TV, kids don't watch too much TV. Exactly. Uh, Violet Beauregard, don't shoot much, too much gum or whatever. Yes. Uh, Vergasol, don't be a brat. Right. None of it has like these amazing uh, revelations. Yeah. Uh, uh, archetypical <laughs> sort of stuff. It's just like little tiny little morality shows. And then the guys come out and literally sing a song if you didn't catch the catch the morality. Attack. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's some like if you go far back enough, there's some like kind of uh, weird problematic ones. Uh, like uh, what's going on with the uh, Lewis Carroll? He sure loves to. Paint and take pictures of uh, nude children. Yeah, but in the meantime, (laughs) he's he's made Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, which is something that gets referred to a lot. I've heard it's too late now. I mean, I suppose you could look around in a in a history book or something. But like, I've heard that it's partially partially that's not a word. Uh, It's nonsense, which is what I'm getting at. It's Mm. like nonsense genre. Like back then. There was like a thing to just like, oh, this is the gobbledygook-boobidiboo. Like you right. pretty much invented it, like mm-hmm. with the Jabberwocky. And so a lot of the characters don't aren't supposed to be anything. But at the same time, maybe the rabbit is uh, Benjamin Disraeli. <laughs> you know, maybe the the Tea Party that does or the Never Ending Race is Parliament. Right. Like there's a couple things you could do, but none of them are like really that solid. It's more just I'm goopy doopy doop boop. Oh wow, that's crazy. <laughs> No, you drink this and you get right. big. Right. Oh, or that's like, foreign taxes. Right. <laughs> no, not really. Or like the Cheshire Cat stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Chamberlain. I don't know. Yeah, I know. Um, who Who's the, the Queen of Hearts? You know. Oh, she, Catherine. Okay. Catherine the Great, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are a lot of great characters in that. But yeah, I don't know if they all exactly, like you said, like graft specifically to certain things yeah and well. if you look at um again like what's going on with jim barry uh yeah likes those boys but uh but it's but peter pan is just like tragic it's just a it is it's really a story of like existential tragedy like the one of the first lines if not the first line is like all boys except for one grow up mm-hmm. <laughs> right yeah <laughs> so it's just about this character who you know is a, a heroic but is also arrested and refuses to grow up. Right. And depending on like what version of the story it is, like he once he solves all the problems and it's like, okay, well, you got to grow up now. Right. Right. Um, and like dealing with the loss of innocence and that sort of thing. And all the sort of chase. There's all these girls in it, but nothing really happens with them. Right. Uh, isn't like the... The, it, it's a stage play, right? So, like, the character, the actor that plays Wendy's father usually plays Hook as well. Oh, I didn't realize that. Which okay. is not just, you know, it's economical, but it's mm-hmm. also maybe, like, a suggestion of kind of a, not Oedipal, but, like, a father figure type thing. Being. The symbolism of 
Right, like like the father kind of disappointing It's all like kids. sex, but it's like really, really, really removed. Yes. It's sex, but it's not really sex. Right, right. No, I mean, that makes sense to me, too. And then what's up, Disney, with the outdated cultural representations of the squaw and... <laughs> uh, yeah. Label yeah. that, Disney Plus. Come on. <laughs> Uh, anything else that we can uh, think of? Mm, I don't, I don't think so. Um, you were so hot to talk about Bridge to Terabithia. Oh, well, so I mean, I, I just wanted to mention it, uh, as another uh, example of, uh, you know, kind of like fantasy, that sort of thing. Louis so, Fangirl. Yeah. Again, apparently inspired by the death of... Her son's best friend, who was hit by lightning. Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. I mean, that's sad and tragic. So <laughs> you think? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Um. But uh, yeah, I mean, just a similar thing. Did we even talk about uh, the dark is rising at all? The Susan Cooper stuff? I don't think so. No. That's like a. See, you can never discount like the 70s <laughs> in sure. any of these yeah, yeah, yeah because a lot of them were just i don't think drugs were involved but there was definitely <laughs> an air of like what if like arthur but like cool dude right you like know? psychedelic <laughs> yeah what if arthur just like put his stuff in a little bindle and just started walking walking the world man <laughs> and you know maybe hitting a dude if it came his way but who knows right just like taking like you know these set mythologies and pantheons and just thinking about them in a different way. Yeah, um, and I think or trying to destroy religion as we know it from the <laughs> bottom up. <laughs> Philip Pullman style, right? Gonna right. Shoot the Pope. <laughs> um. Yes, and uh, um. I mean, I hope there there's more of a lesson to be had in these books than. <laughs> Just being anti-religious. I mean, I feel like there is, at least in the first one, but um, I guess I, it kind of, I have to read the other books. Being entertaining and hanging together is a great start. That's a great goal to have. Yes. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't think that, HBO doesn't think that it's going to destroy organized religion as we know it. Right? I certainly hope it's not. It's just like, the polar bears fighting, cool, cool. Right. Uh, flying witches, all right. Uh-huh. Yeah, let's get get that in there. Right, right. A a cowboy in a hot air balloon. Although part of it is, you know, this is you know they're doing it with the BBC, who you know BBC also wants you to watch their stuff, but mm-hmm. I feel like they are a little more. <laughs> they're not going to make a show about you know the start of the VHS porn industry. No. Uh, they're doing this for artistic sake. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a great combination. You've got the um, resources and outlet, like the distribution of HBO, and you've right. got the artistic sensibilities. Because let's face it, people love these bo- books, but I don't think we've been talking about them recently, though. Like, Probably why are they not. making this now? Simply because they can. Mm-hmm. They've got a great uh, star in Daphne Keene. Yes. And they are <laughs> well, Miranda, and they want right. to you know, make it happen. And I think that's, that's really great. I think so too. Um, I wonder if it took them a while to get the rights after the film was kind of a flop. Like, I wonder. Maybe they bought them. Like a cheap while ago. When the the New Line fire sale. Uh huh. Right. <laughs> Maybe. Um, 
I mean, I know HBO is looking for a replacement for Game of Thrones, and people are debating whether or not this is it. Or this not. is not it. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, it, it won't be. It won't be that. Okay, but it will be good. Yeah, I think it'll be good too. Um, do you think it's going to compete with even like Westworld type numbers, or do you think it's just? Gonna I think be Westworld's its competing own? with itself at this point. Okay, what is what is even Westworld now? I that is a fabulous question, and I think that will be continued into season. Oh, three. we'll talk about that. Yeah, soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited to see where the show goes and uh, to follow it. Me too. Yeah. Watch um, your ass, Popey. <laughs> So anyway, we'll definitely revisit this uh, as we go forward, uh, as more come out. Mm -hmm. And I hope that it continues to get renewed. Yeah, me too. Um, I hope we get to see the third book um, as the story (laughs) unfolds. Breath shall remain unheld. You can always hold your breath for us to return, though, because we do every week. And until then, you can join us on social media, at Facebook and Twitter, and, you know, probably some other places, too. Uh, The Instagram. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mika's in charge of that. Go check out what she's got. She's got some great stuff cooking. Do I? Well, the pressure's on now, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, Also, we're on Discord. You can join us by clicking on the link to our Discord server uh, in the show notes. Uh, All are welcome. Come talk with us about His Dark Materials or Disney Plus shows or even Apple Plus C shows or whatever they are. Right. Uh, We'd love to hear what you think about them and what you think about our show. Follow us on those uh, social media platforms. Uh, Also, subscribe to the show on your listening platform of choice. Uh, I'm checking on the Stitcher situation. I thought that we were on Stitcher. I'm pretty sure we are, but perhaps not every show in the uh, Just Enough Trope uh, constellation is on there. So I'm going to double check that. And I might put together a uh, general feed so you can get sort of all the shows. All right. uh, The JET feed. And then you can sort of pick and choose out of it what you want. Uh, So look for that. Uh, But uh, otherwise, just check out uh, Apple Podcasts and all the usual places. Subscribe to us so you can get the show as soon as it's done. Give us a review and give us a rating at the very least because Mm -hmm. that's how those computers know that we're doing a good job. So I'd appreciate it if you give us five golden compasses. There you go. Which are not round devices for telling which way north is. Right. They are... Two stick devices that are used for maps, inscribing circles, yes, <laughs> circle shapes, yes, generally on maps. Uh-huh. But Americans are dumb and they don't get that, so it's a compass. Everybody, yeah. get your compasses out. Uh, yeah, so forget about that and give us five stars instead. We'll be back next week to talk about something else. And until then, we're signing off. I'm your host Caliban. I'm your co-host Mikan Hana. Keep the geek fires burning. <laughs>